Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So we're in a series called Being the Change That Your World Needs. The whole idea of this series, and this is part two of however many I don't know, but this is part two. The whole idea is that whenever you give your heart to Jesus, you know, you don't have to, nor are you responsible to change the whole world. But let me tell you how God works. God works in a way where he calls you to change your world. To change your sphere of influence. Come on, to be salt and to be light in your world. You know, he doesn't want you to necessarily, he could use you to reach the millions, but maybe, you know, maybe it's just a few. Maybe it's just your, it's just your family. But, but God has called each and every one of us to be the change that our world needs. And at Grace, I want you to know this, that it's very important for us, and we feel like God has placed Grace Church in this community, like many other churches, first of all, to challenge people to know God. You know, how many of you know that like, this is the most important step? You can't really be used by God. I guess you could, but, but the idea is for you to know God first. And I want you to know this, that God wants you to know him. Like he's not, he's not, He's not a God that is far removed from his people. He is present. In fact, the Bible says this, that he's an ever-present help in a time of need. Amen? So he really, really wants you to know him intimately and personally. And then what we also understand is this, that whenever you know God, that's where you're going to find freedom. How many of you know that we need a little bit more freedom in our world today? I'm telling you what, if you're not bound by some sort of an addiction... You know, you've got some sort of, a, you know, you, you may have some sort of an emotional, you know, issue, anxiety, depression. Um, and if you're not dealing with that, you may have some sort of an insecurity. You know, maybe you were raised in a family where nobody ever told the truth. And now your struggle is, is just simply telling the truth. Sometimes you might find yourself lying, even if there's no, there's no benefit to the, to the lie. And so I'm just saying this, that all of us, we can find ourselves at different times entangled in either things of the world or things of our past or thinking of the world or thinking from our past, you know, brokenness. And I'm just saying this, that God wants to set you free. He wants you to experience freedom. The Bible says that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. How many of you would say that you always walk in freedom? Always. Probably not everybody, right? Probably most people would say, you know, yeah, from time to time I get, I get, I get, you know, I get caught up and, and, um, and this is why the Lord wants us to find freedom so that we can run the race that has been set before us. And so when we find freedom, the next step is to discover your purpose, if you've never heard this, and, and I know this, that if you've gone here at all for any period of time, you've heard it. But I want you to know this this morning, that if you've never heard this, let me be the first to tell you that God has a special purpose for your life. You're a unique individual and you've got unique gifts and callings that may not be like anybody else in this room. Anybody else in the whole world, in, in fact, and, and God's got a purpose for you. And can I just tell you this, that whenever you begin to move in your purpose, that's when your life is going to make a difference. That's when your life's going to make a difference. I, I don't know why, but God, for some reason, has given me the ministry of the funeral or the ministry of a celebration. I do more funeral services like I will talk to pastors and 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 I'll just be you know sharing hey I did three funerals this week three funerals some pastors don't do three funerals in a whole year and it's it is it has not been uncommon for me to do two or three funerals in a week it's the craziest thing but let me just tell you this that that what a special time that is to be able to celebrate somebody's whole life 
whether it's, whether it's just a few years or if it's, a, it's many years, how beautiful it is to be a part of celebrating somebody's life and the impression that they've left on the world. Can I just tell you this? The more funerals that I do, the more, the more I know this about myself, that I, when I get to the end of my life, however long that is, whether it be this year or whether it be 50 years from now, when I get to the end of my life, there's one thing that I know, and that is that I want my life to have counted and to make a difference. Like I want the world, my world, my small little world, to be better because of the life that I lived. And that's pretty challenging, right? That's pretty challenging. But guess what? I want that from my whole family, and I want that for every single person in this church. You know, I, I think it would just be so sad to live a complete life and, and then to, to, like, the biggest thing that you can think about is the regrets that you have instead of the victories that you've been a part of. Amen? And I'm telling you this, guys. Listen, if you want to live a significant life, a significant life, comes, it comes through a life that is surrendered to Jesus. Period. Because you can't be significant on your own. I mean, you could sure give it your best, but I'm telling you what, when you take what God gives you and he blesses it and anoints it and you live a surrendered life, I'm telling you, it, it makes eternal difference and, and eternal impacts. And so, so your assignment, say, somebody say my assignment, my assignment in life is to make a difference. And the way that you make a difference is going to be very different than how I make a difference. And guess what? That's okay. In our pre-service service, before the first service, we had all of our leaders together and we were talking about, we were talking about today's message. And you know, one person you know, said, listen, the worst thing that could happen is for somebody to be too caught up trying to be something that they're not. You know, and you can do this on many different levels. You can try to emulate somebody else. Um, you could try to copycat somebody else verbatim. Or you can, you can try to, you know, when you're talking with certain people, you can try to say, you know what? I understand what it's being like to be a, a drug addict. Or I, I, know, I understand what it's like to be in prison. But you've never been in prison. And you never been at, like, like we have to, we feel like we've got to add to our story. Listen, your story, however aggressive or however docile it is, your story is your story. And you need to share your story and be true to who it is that you are because God has created you perfectly. Amen. And he wants to use what you have. He's not asking you to give him something that you don't possess. He's asking you to take what is in your hands, in your possession, and trust him with those things. Amen. Second Corinthians 9.11 says this, you're going to be made rich in every way. And let me just say that this isn't just talking about money. It could be it could include money, but it might be your influence. It might be your relationships. It could be the kindness that you have or the ability, the skills that you have learned. But God is going to make you rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. I'm telling you what, church, that we serve a God that, is, that loves the open hand, not the closed fist. He doesn't necessarily even care what it is that you're giving as long as you're giving what you, what you possess away to somebody else. You know why? Because generosity, it really is a characteristic of the God that we serve, right? Selfishness is a characteristic of the enemy, right? Pride and those kinds of things. And so, so take what it is that God has given you and made you rich in and be generous and give it away on every single occasion. I'm telling you, before you can exercise the influence that you have, you have to recognize that you have influence. Think about that for a second. Ask yourself this question. Do I have influence? And if I do have influence, who do I have influence with? See, you, you and don't make excuses. You know, don't feel sorry for the influence that you have. For some, it might be your son or your daughter. For others, you might be over a company where you have, you know, you've got, you've got 100 people that answer to you. And then you're also on this board and you're on that board. But, but ask yourself, who do I have influence with? And then, 
and then begin to exercise that influence in a way that's going to that's going to change and impact lives. Use it to edify God, to, to glorify God. You know what I mean? To share the good things that God has done in your life, amongst other things. Galatians chapter six and verse four, it says this, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given. Everybody pause right now. Stop right now and, 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 and take inventory. Make a careful exploration right now. Who am I? Who am I? Who is Travis Turner? And guess what? There's some beautiful things that, that when you're asking yourself who you are, there's some beautiful things that are going to come up. You're just like, yeah, I really like that about me. Wow, I really, I really like that about me. But guess what? There might be a couple of things that you're like, oh, I really don't like that about me. But listen, it's so important to take an inventory of who you are and the work that you have been given. Yes, God has given you a work. Do you know what it is? You know what it is? Inventory that work and then sink yourself into that. Now, listen, I came up with the rest. I was like, after I sent my scriptures, this is as far as it went. But I kept reading it and I was like, man, why didn't I send this whole thing? Let me read the rest of the passage. Don't be impressed with yourself. As good as you might be at times, as far as maybe you have come from where you've where you started don't allow yourself to become impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. That's a big one, right? By nature, I think, I think a lot of people do that. We, we look at what other people are doing, and, and, and you know, sometimes it makes us feel better about ourselves. But some, most of the time, you know, because we, we tend to be the hardest on ourselves, right? Most of the time we're looking about the great exploits that other people are doing and how their life is counting and we're just like, wow, that's not me. So don't compare yourself to others. Each of you, listen to this, this is powerful, must take re responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. You're responsible, Raul, for doing the creative best that you can with your, with your own life. And God's given you a lot of, a lot of great talents and gifts. And so, so man, you know, we're never gonna, we're never gonna run out of, of, of finding ways or thinking about ways to become better and more, more effective in sharing love and, and being Christ-like and all these things. So whether you're doing it or not, I want you to know this, that God has given you a work. I'm gonna share with you a story that is a very, uh, it's a story that I've shared multiple times over uh, my, my 11, 12 years of being here. And so this is not a story that you're hearing for the first time, but this is a powerful story. And I want you to just to dissect it with me for a moment. This is found in the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Luke wrote this, and this is what he said. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave. Now listen, this slave was a victim. She was probably one of the first trafficked people that we've, that we've ever heard of. And so there's this female slave and she had a spirit. She had an evil spirit by which she could predict the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. So she got that right. Who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. See, her intention wasn't just to say that these men were true. Her real intention was to cause confusion and some division, even though she was utilizing much of the truth. And so how many of you know this, that whenever, how many of you get annoyed really easy? Anybody get annoyed really easy like, like your patience run, runs thin faster than most. And so we're in, people are, husbands are looking at wives. I saw that. I saw that. You guys were like, meh, meh. we'll talk later. Uh, <laughs> um, but we're in, in, in a season that I call fly season right now. Fly season. It seems like they're everywhere. You open the door, psh, they're coming in. 
I can almost deal with multiple flies more than I can deal with the one fly that is just super annoying. Have you ever had that one fly? There's no other flies in the whole house, but that one fly, it lands on your arm. You shoo it away only for it to three seconds later land on the same spot in your arm. You shoo it away only for a few seconds later. It comes back and lands on the same. Then it's buzzing around your head. Next thing you know, you are beating the living tar out of yourself with a ball cap or a newspaper or a fly swatter because you are absolutely fed up with this fly that's been so annoying. Has that happened to anybody? <laughs> Happens to me, aggravates me. Can I just tell you that that's how I feel the Apostle Paul was feeling because this girl kept this up, the Bible says, for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said, he spoke to that evil spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Somebody say, at that moment. <laughs> at that moment, the spirit left her. So he set her free. The authority that he had in Christ, the power of Christ over this situation set this little girl free. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them to the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for Romans to accept their practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped down and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received his orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas, they were crying. They were whining. They were complaining. They were like a lot of prisoners saying, we have done nothing wrong. We don't belong here. No, that wasn't. That wasn't the story. The Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all of the prison doors, they flew open and everyone's chains became loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved you and your household. Now listen, Paul and Silas, not only were they taking full advantage of the opportunity to set this spirit, you know, evil spirit-filled girl, come on, set her free, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, they're encouraging other prisoners that are in jail with them. And then all of a sudden, the Lord moves, God moves on their behalf and and sets them free. And now he's having the opportunity to minister to the jailer that's responsible. And not only does he believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your whole household will be saved. Listen, somebody just needs, I didn't even share this first service, but it's just clicking right now that some of you need to stand upon this promise that your whole household is going to be saved. I fully believe that the word of the Lord is as powerful today as it was when this was spoken. Come on over this jailer. But this is the cool thing is, and, and if you'll study this out, the Greek word household, it's not just the people that live under your roof. It's not just your wife. And it's not just your sons and your daughters. The actual Greek word, and I'm going to destroy it, but it's the word oikos or oikos, one of those two. Oikos, it means your sphere of influence. And so you could almost say it like this, that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and you will have a profound impact on your sphere of influence or your oikos, right? 
And so I'm telling you that I believe that that word is powerful for us today. When you became a Christian, God didn't save you just for you. Now, he saved you because he he wants none to perish, but all to have everlasting life. He loves you uniquely and individually. And so I'm not taking anything away from that. But I am telling you that he didn't save you just for you. He wants to now utilize your life that other people may come to know the saving grace, the love, the forgiveness, the message of the cross of Christ. Amen. That he died so that we can live. Will you believe in him? Will you receive him? Will you repent of your sins and and ask him to save you and also to be the Lord, the boss of your life? Amen. He wants all people to to have that, that experience. You know, I was thinking one of the coolest thoughts that I've ever came across is this, that um, wouldn't it be great at the end of my life, Travis, at the end of your life, that everybody that you have influence with, that is in your world, everybody that you know, starting with your family, everybody that's in your family, everybody that you have influence with, everybody that you spend time with, every single person knew Jesus Christ whenever you breathed your last breath on this earth. And and you know what? That excites me. But it also excites me because God, if he wants to do that with any of us, he wants to do that with all of us. He wants our life to be so filled with light and, and salt and make a difference. Come on, that the, 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 the center of sinners is attracted to it and saying, man, brother, I don't know what you've got, but I need it because I'm a mess. Amen. Amen. I love that. So I'm going to share with you three areas. Once again, I haven't, I haven't given you any new information yet. But how many of you know that old information is still powerful? Right? All right. So three areas that God wants to use you. Number one is your people. Your people. you got to ask the question, who are my people? Your people may not be my people, and my people may not be your people. I remember Rick Toondag sharing with me way before I met John Chesley, way before I ever met the, the man, I heard of Rick sharing with me, there's this guy that has an, an incredible ability to bring people to church that nobody else would even ask to go to church. And I'm like, wow, really, I'd like to meet this guy. And he was telling me some of the backstories of some of the people that John has brought into into church. And next thing you know, I'm getting to know John. And I'm just like, wow, how cool is that? So who are your people? I can tell you, whoever your people are, God is positioned you. Those are your people. Come on, so that you can lift up the name of Jesus amongst your people. He wants to utilize your life to reach your people, right? Mark chapter 5 and verse 19 says, go home to your family and your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Can I tell you, our message needs to be of love and mercy. And I'm not saying that God won't utilize you, you know what I mean, to call somebody out on, on their stuff. But uh, uh, let me just remind you of, of something just real quick. And, and I know... Some of you have met people like this. I have met people like this. I probably was kind of a little bit like this because I had a lot of zeal and no wisdom. But I'm telling you, when you get radically saved and your message becomes anything close to turn or burn, like if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. That is not a, it's not, it's not the best message. Another thing is, 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 and I just want to rest on this just for a minute. The people that are your people that are outside of relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not saying sin doesn't need to be talked about because it does. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I'm telling you what, people don't really need you always to, to point out their sin and their shortcoming. I can promise you this, they already know it. They already know it. And I'm not saying don't touch it. Like God can use you to touch it and, 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 and just, you know, identify it. And then he can move on from there. But I'm just telling you that people in general, if they, if they know they've got sin in their life, 
or if, they're, if they've got sin in their life, let me just say it like this. This is going to be super easy. When was the last time that you accidentally sinned? You, like, you were just like, you woke up the next morning and you were just like, man, I didn't, I can't believe I did that. And being drunk and inebriated doesn't count. But I'm telling you this, that Holy Spirit, is for, for those that are, like, you don't accidentally sin. You, you don't just like, wow, I never saw that coming. Matter of fact, you're probably going to be given multiple outs not to do what it is that you find yourself doing. And so now you've already got this shame and this guilt and this condemnation. And you've already got this, which is good, conviction. Because conviction turns you to a point of, re of repentance, asking for forgiveness. That's a beautiful thing. That happens because the Lord loves you. Amen? But I'm saying as a person, you don't need to drive that home. It's already drove home. Right? Can I get an amen? Or am I the only person that understands what I'm trying to say? Okay. All right. So, um, so who are your people? If you have a hard time identifying your people, I'm going to give you an easy, an easy kind of a test to put yourself through. And this will at least just give you a, a, a baseline. I want you to think about those people that you spend at least one hour a week with every week. If anybody is in that category of I spend an hour a week every single week with this person, that's a good place to start. Add them to the list of these are my people. And I'm telling you, if, if, if they're on that list, then use what it is that God has given you. Come on, to be generous and to share the beauty of God and the forgiveness and the love of God with them. So the second thing is your place. So you've got your people. The second thing is, is you've got your place. I've only got three, so we're almost done, right? Your place. What is your place? All of us are positioned in different societal places. Your place is different than my place. Sometimes we have some crossover. But there are places that you go that I'll never go. There are places that I will go that you'll never go. Let me give you, let me give you uh, uh, an example. Anybody here like NASCAR? Right? Anybody ever go to a NASCAR race, a real one? I've never been. It's not really my thing. But I love like football and things that you might like. You, you might not like UFC fights. I like UFC fights. And so wherever it is that we go and whatever, come on, your workplace, certainly your family, all of these, all of these you know, add to our different places. All I'm saying is, is use your influence in your places. I'm going to share a quick story with you. It's powerful, so please pay attention. Something significant happened in 1975. There were two powerful, powerful men of God. You've got Lauren Cunningham, who started YWAM. YWAM has literally reached thousands upon thousands upon thousands of young people um, since, its, since its birth. In fact, we've got two young people that are, that are going through CrossFit training and they're going to use, use CrossFit to reach and to spread you know, people you know, with the gospel. Um, my son Tyler is going to YWAM here in the next few days and his good friend Kyle is going with him. And so please keep them in your prayers. Um, but you've got Lauren Cunningham who started YWAM and then you've got a man by the name of Bill Bright which started Campus Crusade for Christ. Let me tell you this. This one man has reached... Everybody thinks of Billy Graham whenever they talk about reaching the multitudes. This guy has reached millions of people. Millions of people. More than Billy Graham. More than probably anybody else that has walked the face of the planet. I'm guessing Bill Bright is right, is right at the top. And the reason is, is because he came out with a, with a, a film, amongst other things... The Jesus film, the Jesus project, over a billion people have seen this. And through this, millions of people have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and their personal Savior. So back in 1975, listen, they were in Colorado of all places. And they, were, they connected. They were just like, hey, listen, let's get together. And so they set a date. Well, the night before they got together... Each of them had the same vision or the same dream. And this vision and dream included seven areas 
that the church is being called to, that Christians are being called to influence so that we could reap the harvest that God is desiring for us to harvest. Now, the problem is, is most people think that the main way to reach people is bring them to church. And in these studies, 47% of people will ever go into a church. And sometimes that's just for like a funeral or a wedding or, or things like that. So 47% of people will ever go to church. That means there's 53% of people that will never go into a church. And so these areas of influence, these seven areas of influence are areas that we really need to pay a lot of attention to and make sure that we're getting involved in. So I'm going to share with them real quickly uh, today. Number one is the church. We're going to do our part. When people come, we're going to have anointed music. We're going to have great programs for your kids. Awana is we're going to teach them about Jesus. We're going to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. We're going to challenge people to go out and bring them in. We're going to do our part. But I'm telling you what, that's not the main way to do it. All right? The second area is government. I honestly think a lot of the reason why our world or our nation is in the, in the, in the, the condition that it's in right now is because for so many years, you know what I mean, many churches, you know, it, it, was, it was like the worst thing you could do is be a Christian and be in politics. And, and so now we have we relinquished all of that influence, all of those great God ideas to people that don't have a godly relationship or don't have a strong, you know, godly foundation. And so government. And with that, all I'm going to say is this. That whether it's a local office, and, and, and I really felt this in my first, in first service, I really felt this, that maybe you've been stirred up, you know what I mean, to, to, to run for a position, and, and right after you got stirred up, you thought, that's the craziest thought you've ever had, and you've talked yourself out of it because who are you, and how in the world could you ever, you know, do anything like that, but I'm telling you, that I believe this morning that in and through this portion of the service, the Lord is going to say, no, that wasn't a foolish idea. And uh, you, remember, can do all things through me who gives you the strength. But I'm just saying this, that, that, that if God's calling you, you know, to take a position, you know, I guess the only thing I would ask you, this is good, is that whenever you get it, don't forget who you are in Christ, because I think there's a whole lot of people that run on Christian values and they're going to, and they're going to do all these great things, you know, for the people. And they're going to fight for the things that Christians hold near and dear to their heart. But then all of the sudden they, they step into the position and it's like they got immediate amnesia. You know what I mean? They forgot about all the things that they said that they were going to do. All right. That's enough of that. Number three is sports and entertainment. I'm telling you what, that God wants to use athletes and entertainers to advance the gospel, right? It breaks my heart. So many, so many young people, they learn their gift and talent. They hone in on their gifts and their talents and singing in church choirs and, you know, um, you know, using their voice in church only to make it big. And then you never hear about God anymore. It's almost like the pull of the world was more was more it was stronger in their life than 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 Christ in their life. And I'm just saying this that that there are some athletes and there are some entertainers that man they're doing a bang up job. Just real quick, who are some of those athletes and entertainers that are that are being solid for Jesus? Tim Tebow, you bet who else? Drew Brees, right? Who else? Derek Carr, we're going I'm going to show you a video of Derek Carr. Listen, I don't like the Raiders. I'm not a Raiders fan. But I'm telling you what, I like Derek Carr, so I now like the Raiders. Like I, it's crazy how you can fall in love with a player and what a player is doing, and then it's like, oh, okay, I like the team now, right? Anybody else? Herschel Walker. What about some entertainers? Dolly Parton. Who? Justin Bieber. Yeah, he's giving his heart to the Lord. Man, what a, what a cool story that is. Anybody else? Kanye West. Hey, that's, yeah, there you go. I saw him on a, like a plane or a bus or something doing some cool stuff. Anybody else? Toby Mac. Toby Mac. 
Kirk Cameron. Yeah, Kirk Cameron. I remember, what was that show? That, what was it? Growing Pains. Yeah. How many of you are too young for Growing Pains? You don't remember it. Raise them up. I know that. All right. So anyway, I want you to turn your attention to the screen here real quick. This is Derek Carr. Man, how much more do we need it if Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we're led. Sometimes when we're led by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't, it doesn't always end up in a perfect place. You ever notice that? When, when, when you were led to Las Vegas, was it perfect at the beginning? Was it, was it, did you all of a sudden have a pop up on a stage like the commercials, like boom, and you got to mic your hand. There's thousands of people. I doubt it started like that. If you've been here, you know their story. It did not start like that. They even went through loss, many losses to get to the point that they're at today. But they were led the whole time. They were walking in the promise of God. They were walking in what was divinely appointed for them. But that didn't mean it was easy. That didn't mean it got easier, right? Just because you decide to be a Christian doesn't automatically make life easy. Some of us give up. Well, I thought I was, but man, I'm just going to go back to live. Man, that's not the point. The point is he's going to work on you every single day. And after year, after year goes by, you're going to look back. You're not even going to be able to recognize the person that you saw. See, Holy Spirit came into my life. Jesus touched me in Fresno, California. I was laying on my face. He used a beautiful woman. Okay. But she wrote me a letter and it changed my life. And the Holy Spirit grabbed hold of me that day. And from that moment on, I don't even recognize that person. How cool is that? Come on, using the platform that God has given you, come on, to just bring glory to his name. So, so encouraging. How many of you like Derek Carr a little bit more now? How many of you are Raiders fans now? All the Raiders fans raise their hands still. All right. <laughs> All right. The next area is that of education. And I'm just saying this, that teachers, school boards, Come on, we need to speak faith, influence, and values. In fact, I would say this, a school board would be a great place for good Christian values to be present. You know how many decisions are made? All the decisions really are made in and through the school board. This is an elected position, but maybe God is, is challenging some or some people here this morning you know, to run for the next uh, opportunity to serve on a school board. Um, we've got business we get a godly vision for our business. God, you know, uh, brings a, a great amount of income into our businesses, and then we invest those profits into making a difference in our world. Some, what, what are some of the com uh, companies that are doing a great job of that right now? Chick-fil-A. You bet. Who else? Hobby Lobby. How many of you love some Hobby Lobby? Anybody else? My Pillow. Who said it? I love my pillow, man. In, in, and they're coming under attack. I'm telling you, we need to pray. Come on, for that company because they're standing strong and they're getting everything shot at them. Who else? Huh? In and out. Did you guys know that was a Christian company? Sometimes you'll get a scripture on the cup or different things like that. Support your local in and out. We don't have one here yet, but. How many of you hit it every time you go to Utah? Whoa. All right. Is there any others that we have missed? All right. So businesses. Listen, God's calling you to be a business owner. You know what I mean? Or you've got a business. Make sure that God's in the middle of that business. The next one is media. Come on. We, de we definitely need more representation in, in, in the media. And then number seven is family and family is huge, right? It's time to get Christ back into the family. It's time for husbands to be great husbands and great fathers and wives to be great wives and great moms. Amen. Kids to be great kids and, and being obedient to their parents. And, and I'm just saying we really need, come on, God, right back at the center of our family. So we've got to ask ourselves, what is my oikos? What is my sphere of influence? Maybe it's several of the seven. Maybe it's one of the seven. But you've got to identify, God, what is the oikos that you've given me? Number three, and this is the last one. Somebody say amen. 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 Don't get so excited. <laughs> Number three is your passion. Your passion. God will stir you up on something. Just yesterday, I got a chance, we went to men's breakfast yesterday, and then Jamie Osterhout, I talked to him, oh man, a couple months ago, and I just said, Jamie, with the way our world is, 
I was like, you know what? I'd really like to become more of a skilled hunter. And listen, if you're not into hunting, I apologize, but not really. Um, but I'm like, I would like to learn how to do it and do it well. And so when you want to learn something, you go to somebody that knows a lot about it, right? And so I said, hey, brother, would you do me a favor and take me out? I want to learn how to field. First of all, I want to shoot something. Second of all, I want to learn how to field dress it. And third of all, I don't want to give my meat away to somebody else. I want to learn how to cut it up and package it and just do the whole, the whole thing. Can we talk about this in church? You better believe it. This is Idaho. This is Idaho. So I want to learn that. So I go to Jamie, and he's like, yeah, absolutely. We put in. We're going out in October. He says, but listen, we got to go sight in our rifles. I'm like, I like that. That's really cool. But he took, I was talking to him, and, I, and I, I, I'm a decent shot. I know about shooting and whatnot, but this guy has lived this since he was this high, and he's 48 years old now. He knows something about hunting, so we went out, and we spent about three hours just shooting stuff shooting guns, getting tight groupings. Come on, somebody. Tight groupings. No, we don't want this spread out stuff. We want to be skilled in our, in our, in our hunting abilities, right? Who wants to get out there and have the perfect shot 60 yards away, only to come home with an excuse saying, the deer was faster than my bullet. No, you just were a terrible shot. You forgot to sight in your rifle. And so I'm just saying that Jamie had used something that, that's his world. That's not my world. I'm, it's going to become a little bit more my world. But I'm telling you, that's his world. So he was able to bring me into his world. And he was able to show me some things that he has known. And we were able to glorify God in and through the whole thing. Right? And so I'm just saying this, that your passion is going to be a, an area Come on, that, that you will be able to use to influence other people for Jesus, to share them the love and the grace and the mercy, the goodness of God that he's been in your life. Like, listen, you may walk into a room like this, and the way that you view a room like this is different than anybody else views the room like this. Sarah, you walk into a room like this, and the first thing that you notice is you're like, man, oh, man, somebody dropped the ball this week. Your friend right next to you, she says, well, what do you mean? Well, do you see these chairs? These chairs are not even lined up. They're not even properly spaced. You know what I mean? Did you see that sound panel right over there, right behind Pat Sears? It's all crooked. And uh, it's been crooked the whole service. And in fact, I can't even really pay attention to the service because that sound panel is crooked on the wall. Right? And so Sarah walks into this room and she has a gift of works or service. She comes in. She wants to, she wants to straighten everything out. Whereas somebody else comes in Joe Cook comes into the room as he's leaving, as he's exiting the room. Joe Cook is taking his daughter to the potty, I guarantee it. But Joe Cook comes in the room, and he sees, he sees somebody. He sees somebody. Matt, he sees somebody sitting by himself, and he's like, huh, I've never seen Matt sit by himself before. I wonder if Matt is having a hard day. So Joe Cook comes in. Where does he go? He doesn't go to where the clusters are. He goes to Matt because he has a gift of mercy. And he wants to make sure that Matt's doing, hey, brother, how are you doing? You know what I'm saying? So, so we are all gifted and we're geared differently than everybody else. And I can just say this, that one of the worst things that we can do is expect somebody else to be just like we are. I'm not saying we can't learn to be compassionate and have mercy and, and look for those. But that might not be your go-to. You could learn to have more compassion. But listen, don't get angry at somebody else because they're not geared just like you. But isn't that how we are? It's like, I'm this way, and so you should be this way, David. Since I'm this way and you're not this way, then you just haven't arrived yet. I'm going to help you to become like me. That's crazy, right? Because David is different than I am. Even though we've got many, many similarities together. 
And so all I'm saying is the beautiful body of Christ is just that it is beautiful and it is diverse and it's different. And I'm just saying it's okay to be different. You don't have to you don't have to fit into a mold that that it seems like a lot of other people are are in. And so Ephesians chapter four says this in verse one. Therefore, I a prisoner. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life that's worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Listen, every single one of you have been called by God. He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And listen, your gift is going to be different than my gift, and that's okay. Now, these are the gifts. Now, this is, listen, these are five gifts. These are not all of the gifts, but these are five gifts for the building of the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We get into big problems whenever we try to fit into one of these five areas. And you're like, I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. What? Does God not love me? Does he not got a plan? You know, for yes. But these five gifts are for the equipping of the body to do the work of the ministry. You don't have to force yourself into this. But yet some of you have these gifts, but you might not be using these gifts. And that's a whole other story. All right, so he's given each one of us special gift uh, through the generosity of Christ. These are the gifts, the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And I'm just telling you this, that there's a blessing that comes when you find yourself doing your part, whatever it is, however big it is in your eyes or however small it is. It's all significant and it all helps everybody else to grow when you do your part. This is the last scripture I'm sharing and then we're done. Are you ready? This is a big one. This is Isaiah 58. It says this. He's talking about fasting, and he's saying people have this idea about the fast, and there's, there's correction being given to us that that's not the right idea, but he gives us an example of what the fast is supposed to do, what it's supposed to look like. So this is what it says. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? The answer to that is no, if you can't pick up on how I'm reading it. Okay. Trying to make it as obvious as possible. And then he shows us what a real fast is. Is not this the kind of fasting that I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Listen, I I, I wasn't going to share this because of time, but I have to share it because of time. I did a funeral service Friday. Uh, a precious man by the name of Leo Gonzalez. Many of you may know Leo, but I didn't know Leo. I was called a few months prior as he was kind of declining by one of his family members, and I was able to go and to pray at the bedside and to visit with Leo a, a couple of different times while he was over the last couple of months while he was getting ready to pass. And let me just tell you, this is a sweet man, but this is the crazy thing. Three different conversations, unique conversations with three different people. This is what I was told about Leo Gonzalez. Three different people, three different times, three different conversations. Leo is the sweetest man that I know. I thought to myself, the third time I heard it, I'm a slow learner. But the third time I heard it, I was like, man, God's really trying to show me that this is the sweetest man that these people know. You know why he was called sweet is because Leo 
at, at his service, people would get up. He opened his home to the homeless. Like when you drive by Walmart and you see a guy out there with the sign or a lady out there with the sign, a family out there with the sign saying, hey, we'll work for food or need a few bucks for gas or whatever. Like you might pull over and throw him a five or whatnot. Leo would say, hey, listen, I'm taking you to my house. I'll get you a warm bed to sleep in tonight. We're going we're gonna to fix you a nice meal. This is how this man lived his life. And it was told at his service over and over and over and over again. What a beautiful thing to be said about a person. Now listen, if that's not your gift, I'm not telling you to bring strange people into your home. But this was his way of showing the love of Christ come on to people. He literally would just would bring them in, feed them and, and, and care for them. Beautiful. So when we do the proper fast, then there's 12 blessings or 12 promises that come. I'm going to share these with you. Your light will break forth like the dawn. That's number one. Somebody say one. And your healing will, be, will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call upon the name of the Lord and answer. And you will cry for help. And he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of fingers and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness. And your night will become like noonday. That's number six. The Lord will guide you always. That's number seven. He will satisfy your, new, your needs in sun-scorched land. That's eight. And will strengthen your frame. You know, I was thinking about this, strengthen your frame. What an interesting way, you know, to, to, to say that. He will strengthen your frame. And it literally, I read a couple different translations. He will strengthen your weak points. In your weakness, he can strengthen those areas. And immediately I thought of a couple of different things. The first thing is, is what is a tent without a frame? It's a canvas. Not going to be any good for you. But then the second thing that I remember, I grew up poor. We didn't know we were poor because everybody we ran out, around with were poor. But I grew up there and I spent some time in Baker, Oregon. And all my buddies and I, we all had these makeshift put together BMX bikes. They weren't like the sweet red lines or the diamondbacks. They were just whatever it is that we could put together and we would race them. They had a, a beautiful track there in Baker City. And, and I remember I got in a real bad wreck once and it bent my forks, big old fat forks, it bent them. And so we couldn't go out and just buy a new pair of forks. And so my brother's four years older than I was and he pulled and he bent that fork back. So it was in like this and he bent it back, put a tire on it, you know, got it all set up. I was good to go. Well, one thing that we don't realize is whenever you bend aluminum like that, right? When you bend it like that, it becomes very weak. And it might, it, it, it might last you a week, it might last you a month, but at some point, that weakness through vibration is going to get worse and worse and worse. And let me just tell you, that happened to me in the middle of a wheelie. And so it snapped, and I'm in the air, and I've got enough time just to think... I'm going down and this is not going to be good, right? When you go down on a tire, it's one thing. When you go down, no tire there, it's something completely different. So you're searching for grass. And all I'm saying is, is that God will strengthen your frame. I think that's so powerful. It goes on to say this, you will be like a well that's watered in a, that, that, a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That's 10. Your people will, re will rebuild ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations, 11. And then you will be called a repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings, and that's number 12. I'm telling you this, that all 12 of these blessings belong to you, and they belong to me as we do our part, and we serve Jesus, and we love people. As we use our gifts, as we use our lives, as we use our life as a living sacrifice, these 12 blessings are available to each and every one of us. Amen. And I can promise you this, that if we will do that, every single person in this room, you'll get to the end of your life and your life will have made a significant difference 
And this life will be better. This world will be better because of you. And more importantly, Christ in you. What Christ was able to do in and through you. Amen. Praise the Lord. So listen, I appreciate, I appreciate, the, I appreciate that. But, but this is the thing. I'm going to just take two minutes to do this. All of this is like so far out there and so impossible unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Like I can't get up here and ask you to make a significant impact on this life through Christ when you don't even know if, if you're in him or he's in you yet. You know, you've been thinking about him and, 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 and you know, there have been pockets of times where you've believed in him. But I'm just saying this, that the Lord wants wants you to be surrendered to him and he not only just wants to save you but he wants to be the boss of your life and so you might be in here today maybe there's one maybe there's five maybe there's none but you might be here today or online and you're saying you know what i don't even know if i'm saved and i'm telling you this that you can know you're saved right now like right now you don't have to go through you know six months of classes you can know you're saved by just responding to the Holy Spirit that might be speaking to you and saying, yes, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to receive Christ. I don't know what that's. Listen, it's about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And some people would say, oh, that's just foolish. That's crazy. Nothing great can start so small. Everything great starts small. He has done it all. And the only thing that you have to do is receive it and then that starts the process. Don't worry about your addiction right now. Don't worry about your broken relationship right now. Don't worry about, you know, the, the, the problems with the law that you have right now. All of that stuff will, will, will get, it, it'll figure itself out, I promise you. But what the Lord is saying is, is do you know me? And if you don't know me, do you want to? Do you want to know me? Because I want you to know me. I want to show myself to you. I want to reveal things to you. I want to I want to walk with you and share life with you and if that's you I just want you to raise your hand just real quick if you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and this day marks the day that you that you you're saved your name is written in that Lamb's Book of Life I saw the hand right there be bold you put it up young lady it's okay awesome thank you so much is there anybody else right here awesome right here thank you sir I appreciate that anybody else now listen, real quick, you might be in here and you're like, I, I'm walking with Jesus. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but I'm dealing with some stuff right now. I got some sin that needs to be dealt with. I'm gonna, I, I, wanna make a, I wanna make a new commitment with Jesus right now. I'm gonna make it right now. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to be bold. If you'd like to make a recommittal, a new, awesome right here. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Awesome right here. Thank you. And I just want you to know, I'm so happy to see you today. Anybody else? Real quick? Okay. All right. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray together. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Just make this your own prayer. The Lord's already doing the thing on the heart. Amen. God, thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. This cross means everything. Thank you for Calvary, Lord. Where you were perfect, you lived a perfect, sinless life, and you went to the cross to die. Not only were you sent there to die, but you were whooped and beaten and flogged and spit on and made fun of. And you took it all on for our sins, for my sin. You did that for me. And you did that for all of these people. And God, I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And I just ask in Jesus' name, Lord, as the Holy Spirit's already been moving in this place and decisions have been made let them just say specifically Jesus I believe in you and Jesus I receive you I receive your forgiveness in your life and I ask you God to be the boss of my life the Lord of my life direct my steps and when I fail when I fall pick me back up again don't let me stay down today I commit my life to be yours in Jesus name for those that are repenting of a sin Lord or they're just reestablishing you as being first and foremost God 
The prayer of repentance is one that will be done many times in our life. But I just pray that as you see the sincere heart of those that are struggling, God, that the peace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God would be felt tangibly. That that weight, that burden would just be lifted right now in Jesus' name. And they would know that they stand before you right now as the righteousness of God. I pray these things in Jesus' name right now. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.